happy Monday and welcome to another episode of the Seafood News Podcast brought to you by Ernenberry's Foreign Trade Data. I'm Marketing Assistant Nicole Christie and I have Amanda Buckle here with me. That's right, Steph Ryder for SeafoodNews.com. Thanks for having me, Nicole. <laughs> it's your podcast. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just living in it. Um, so I just want to let you guys know that you can come see us at booth 364 at Seafood Expo North America in Boston. And that's coming up in about a month. So we look March 11th to the 13th. Yeah. Well, we'll hope to see you guys there. Um, and what you can get from us there is you can get a free demo of some of our premium services, such as foreign trade data and our Comtel service. And you can also check out some of our educational materials. We a have a posters, lot of books, uh, the playing cards, mm-hmm. the books. A lot of cool stuff that you can bring back to you with your staff as well. Are you going to be there this year, Nicole? I'm not going to be there this fall, unfortunately. Uh, I am. And I'm pretty pumped because I hear Preferred Freezer Services is going to have these huge monstrous polar bears. Yes. And they're actually usually right across from us and a lot of people stop in front of the Boltwood Bears to take pictures so it gives us a chance to meet a lot more of you guys so definitely check that out and then so, check out our booth. So if you see the polar bears, we're, we'll be right across from we're there. We're right near the polar bears. <laughs> um, so it's been pretty busy here at Erner Berry between the Global Seafood Market Conference in Miami last month and Erner Berry Seafood Import Workshop, which actually took place in L.A. Amanda actually went. I went to both the uh, GSMC, as it's called, the Global Seafood Market Conference, and Erner Berry Seafood Import Workshop. I'm still actually trying to catch up on sleep. Okay. <laughs> it's been it's been so back to back everything, and it's it was a lot of work, uh, but it was also a lot of fun and very educational. And anybody who has been to the Global Seafood Market Conference, they know that the the days are full of long panels. You're sitting in a freezing conference room all day learning a lot. Yeah. Um, but I actually also had the chance to attend a U.S. launch dinner for Kingfish Zealand Dutch Yellowtail, and. Let me tell you, it's like my new obsession. I cannot get enough of it. So I'm actually on this journey of seafood exploration right now. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I was a vegetarian for probably 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then I only started eating seafood about four years ago. So that's now I guess I'm technically a pescatarian. But I like to say pestitarian because I'm still hesitant to try new things, which Mm -hmm. is really terrible and also kind of hilarious considering I'm the staff writer for Seafood News. Um... (laughs) But uh, fortunately, Ernaberry, obviously, we're in Tom's River. We're close to the beach. We have a lot of fresh seafood coming in. But I've actually been diving into a lot of, like, farmed and imported fish. And uh, Kingfish Zealand is based out of the Netherlands, and their Dutch yellowtail is organic-fed, antibiotic-free, and recommended as a green choice by the Good Fish Foundation. And as an added bonus, like I said, it's ridiculously delicious. So they served it, cooked a handful of different ways, and... I seriously loved every bite, and the dinner was actually hosted by Candor Seafood founder Marcy B. Miller, uh, and she's actually featured in um, the special woman seafood store we have in the upcoming issue of The Reporter. And right, Nicole, that's going to be distributed at the Boston Show? That will definitely be distributed at the Boston Show, so definitely be sure to take your copy because there's a lot of really good seafood articles and market analysis pieces in there as well. Yeah, so. and, and definitely keep an eye out. We have we highlight, uh, besides Marcy, two other uh, women in seafood, and it's they have some really interesting stories. But actually, Marcy was on uh, the GSMC panel for Emerging and Underutilized Species, and she had the opportunity to talk a little bit about Yellowtail and I, th- I think it's going to be one of the species to watch this year. Obviously, it's it's not new, but um, studies show that more consumers want restaurants to offer a wider variety of seafood dishes and seafood entrees that have these new or unique flavors. 
Yeah, because usually, I mean, you see salmon on there, you see shellfish on there a lot. I've never really gone to a place such as a local chain restaurant that has something like yellowtail or something out of the box. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be really cool if we start seeing those things on menus. Exactly. And and, uh, this is actually another uh, story in the reporters on like food trends for 2018. And one thing that I don't think is dying anytime soon is the whole Instagram obsession with taking pictures of your food. You know, and, and I think that these different species, these, you know, the submerging species and underutilized species panel, I think there's like so many opportunities to, to incorporate some different things into your, into your menus that can get highlighted on Instagram. Yeah. I think they'll photograph well too. Like people will see that and say, what, what is, is that? I've never seen that. Very unique. Yeah. And this, this Dutch yellowtail, it's like, it's got this like pinkish color and it, it cooks up white and it's honestly like a, a beautiful looking fish like cooked and like cut and like I had it raw I had it grilled it was phenomenal everywhere now I'm gonna go home and research pictures <laughs> so I could check it out I'm also hungry so let's break for lunch no. <laughs> um, so uh, you know like I said studies are showing that people want more of this and Broadline sales of monkfish, orange ruffy, and walleye dipped between 2016 and 2017 but yellowtail actually saw an uptick in broadline sales and, um, you know, right now it's being used in a lot of sushi, but there's definitely an opportunity to sell it for something other than sushi. And what I thought was interesting that Marcy brought up is that, you know, action needs to be taken to educate consumers on fish. You know, like you need to be able to tell them the story of the fish and teach them about the different ways to cook it. You know, I, I do cook some seafood at home, but it's a little intimidating. I have never, I'll be honest, I, I don't really cook much besides pasta, so I've never cooked seafood, but I actually, recently, we had Valentine's Day, so um, I saw my mom cooking shrimp, okay. and it took her, I think, like three minutes, and I was like, wow, like it's that easy to cook seafood? So I think I'm going to branch out and try, you know, different things. It's easy, quick, generally, and a great pro- protein, so mm-hmm. can't beat that. Uh, but so King's Healing actually, they hosted Chef Barton Seaver last week in an effort to grow awareness of their fish. Um, Chef Barton Seaver is the author of American Seafood that just recently came out. Um, he also has two other uh, books out for Cod and Country and Two by Sea. And he had the opportunity to cook up some creative dishes with King's Healing's house chef, Mark Sherp. So uh, we're actually, I'm going to, some of their photos are on the King's Zealand uh, Facebook page, but we'll post some of the dishes that he came up with on, on the Seafood News Instagram. And uh, hopefully we can actually get Marcy. Let's we should meet, reach out to Marcy see if we can get her on the get podcast on the soon. Um, she she has some really great stories about educating educating people with uh, unique fish. Like I said, it's it is it is very intimidating. I know um, you know I, I say that I cook fish, but I actually I have a Costco membership, <laughs> and uh, I've been going into their freezer aisle and like I recently bought like a Highlander cod that's like it's a lemon butter cod already made. And like all, I mean, like race season and everything, all you have to do is put it in the oven and, and follow the instructions and you're done. You know, it's because it is, like I said, it is intimidating. You don't know how to cook it. And I, th- I think more like that needs to be done and, you know, or, or better education. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I know if somebody was in the, you know, I like all my free samples at Costco and I know that occasionally happens at the food store, mm-hmm. but having them explain a little bit about how to cook it and what to use with it, I think is is definitely beneficial. Yeah, and I think that's where the industry is going in general. Oh, hands down. So that brings us to Ernerberry's recent seafood import workshop. Wow, what a success. <laughs> um, we had over 30 members of the seafood industry join us in LA to listen to speaker Scott Zimmerman of Safe Quality Seafood Associates. Uh, we also had Corey Norton of Trade Pacific Law. 
uh, Sergio Lozano of Alpha Brokers and Michael Lieberman of Fellow and Son. Um, and we actually even have reps from NOAA and the FDA and CBP join us to answer some questions. So it was really a great opportunity to, to hear some hear about some of the issues that you know some of these companies are facing and especially with all the updates on the seafood import monitoring program and the inclusion the inclusion of shrimp or you know what's going on with that. It's just such a great time to be hosting this workshop. So Ernerberry's actually gonna be taking it back out to the East Coast this fall. <laughs> Nicole's woohooing <laughs> silently, silently pumping her fist. Um, we're working on locking in a date and location soon, so we look forward to sharing that with you. And if you did attend the LA workshop, we'd love to hear your feedback on that. Definitely. You know, what you learned and if you wanted to, uh, you know, bring some new coworkers along next time. <laughs> Always the salesman, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> Saleswoman. Okay, so in other news, an Atlantic Capes fisheries vessel, the Sea Star, sunk off the coast of Martha's Vineyard on Wednesday night this past week, and all four crew members were able to be rescued by the U.S. Coast Guard. This is definitely a feel-good story. I feel like we've a happy had, ending. Yeah, we've had some terrible stories, but um, it's something that the Coast Guard said after the incident that really stuck with me, and that's that the rescued crew played a pivotal role in their survival. And uh, Coast Guard Commander Brian McLaughlin said in a media release that the crew's ability to identify the emergency and get ready was a tremendous aid in getting them, all four of them, rescued. Uh, but the biggest thing that the crew did was put on their emergency suits and activate their emergency position, indicating a radio beacon. Uh, the captain of the ship actually said that the crew did regular safety and emergency drills that required them to wear their survival suits, and because they knew how to put them on, and because they were well-maintained, there was no casualties. So do we know how long the crew was in distress before the Coast Guard got to them? So they sent out their alert at 6.20, and the Coast Guard arrived close to 7. Oh, wow. And the boat was already taking a lot of water. They mm -hmm. were managing to keep the engine running, which prevented them from going under sooner. But two of the, uh, the crew members were able to be rescued before the engine died. And two of the other men had to jump into the water, and it was 37 degrees. Oh, no. So this, tough. So this is really, I just like, it's truly eye-opening, and I hope that this their story can save more lives, because it, it really is a happy ending. They did everything right, and obviously every situation is different, but, you know, yeah. wearing your survival suits, you know, doing these emergency drills, and... You know, having the, the beacon that you can alert the Coast Guard, it, it just, it's so necessary. And yeah. I just, I just hope that everyone maintains this, this yeah. level of safety Keeps practice. practicing because you really never know when it could happen. Exactly. So it's better to be prepared than the latter. Feel good story. So moving on to our final story of the day, uh, I had the chance to talk to National Fisheries Institute Vice President of Communications, Gavin Gibbons, about the growth of the NFI's Crab Council. Um, the Crab Council actually launched in 2009 with just seven companies, and now nine years later, they've grown to 33 members, which is huge. Wow. It's great. Big growth. Yeah. And the council currently actually makes up uh, approximately 90% of the total blue swing crab imported into the U.S. And Gibbon says that the goal of NFI's Crab Council is to have as much of the market represented as possible. And with companies approaching them to join, the council is actually in a pretty good place. The, uh, the 32nd member to join the Crab Council is Fresco Fisheries. And um, they aren't even selling blue swimming crab yet. Uh, you know, they said that they're venturing into the blue swimming crab market and they want their brand to have come from the same management conscious fisheries as their other established products. And the Crab Council really, you know, that's that's what they're committed to. You know, every every member that uh, that joins a council 
um, you know, they have to be on the same wavelength when it comes to, um, you know, size, weight, and egg-bearing females. Like, they have to adhere to these policies. And, you know, it's just so important to, you know, companies who are considering, like, joining, you know, they don't want to have, cons- like, sustainability concerns, Mm-mm. you know, when they're when they're considering adding on a species. And, and crab council is... Seems like they're doing they're a great job. The right yeah. measures, so, it seems like. Yeah, from seven to thirty-three, pretty impressive. Awesome. And uh, that wraps up our our weekly podcast. So don't forget, guys. This show was sponsored by Erneberry's Foreign Trade Data and the Seafood Import Workshop. Yep, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Facebook. That's that's it. No Snapchat. No, not yet. I don't know. If we start making some of those exotic seafood dishes, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we we'll have something to Snapchat. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.